the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about today. Money investing and more. Big event coming up tomorrow night. It's a webinar. You have to sign up. Seats are limited. There's about 30 left. Um, so go to newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com and sign up for the webinar. Um, it is the end of the year season. <clears throat> a lot of people are talking about Dow 20,000. Ultimately, Dow 20,000 is just a number. And it doesn't mean as much as we want it to mean. Um, because the jump from Dow 1000 to 2000 is technically bigger than the Dow jump from 19,000 to um, 20,000. So, so we have that kind of to think about as the markets rally. Um, so there's diminishing returns. You know, to go from Dow 4,000 to 5,000, it's only a 25% rally. From 5,000, from 7,000 to 8,000, it's only a 14% uh, jump. So we're going to see the Dow hit 40,000 probably in 7 to 10 years if history is repeats itself from 100 plus years of investing in markets. So we got that going for us. Uh, it's like caddying for the Dalai Lama. It's, it's nothing but good things can come out of that. So markets aren't reacting to terrorism in Berlin. Once again, I bring that up from the financial standpoint. And the financial standpoint is loved ones were taken from us yesterday. And sometimes those loved ones have jobs. And the financial ruin of terrorism is just, it, it's not thought about but you do need to think. Um, a friend of mine, his son, not, not really a friend, an associate, an, uh, someone that I know in the city, his son had basically an epileptic seizure and his brain kind of started bleeding and 
this kid went into a coma, and for the first year, kept everyone informed with updates. And the second year, that went away. Uh, in the first year, a lot of people made lasagnas for the family, stopped by, a lot of love and support. In the second year, the financial ramifications of everything, of loving your child and trying to care for them, kind of became much more real, and that's when a divorce happens. Um, it's not a pretty story, is it? So there's a lot of ramifications out there. Nike is one of the biggest underperformers right now in the stock market. It's going to become what's called a dog of the Dow. Nike and Coca-Cola underperformers. And automatically some people will buy them next year because there's a theory out there that if you buy the four or five worst performing stocks in the Dow, that you'll outperform the Dow the following year. So it's a very big blue chip kind of company. They've had a little bit of an air ball for the year. Rivals such as Adidas, Under Armour, and Lulu continue to encroach on Nike's turf. So they're losing market share to... Or back the only time I've ever seen Nike really challenged was back in 1983-84 when they were, you know, lost market share to Reebok. So something to think about. Not panic about, not gloat about, but something to start thinking about. Not a lot of financial data out there today. I do see that Americans are in debt. Um, the average mortgage, 172000 student loan, 49000 uh, auto loans twenty eight thousand five hundred and thirty five, credit cards sixteen thousand sixty one. One of the best things I ever did in my financial career was I had a car that was the same car for fifteen years, and I bought it. It was basically given to me for free, and I drove a car for fifteen years that was a beater. It wasn't pretty. Um, certainly, no woman ever saw it and went, "Woo, you are." The man of my dreams. But it worked out for me nonetheless. Super Mario Run has blown away Pokemon Go. And again, this is a situation where Apple gets 30%, sometimes 15% if you're a super developer. you got to imagine that Nintendo is kind of a super developer. You know, Every time you sign up for Netflix on Apple, they get a piece of that action. But Super Mario Run has surpassed 25 million downloads. It's earned over 21 million in revenue after four days. Um, that's way ahead of the record for Pokemon Go, which did it in 11 days. Um, the holiday season is just around the corner. Just, just saying. Facebook Messenger has launched a six-screen group video chat. And that's worthy of note only because just yesterday I was reading about an app that you can get called House Party that lets you basically hook up with your friends, six people on the screen, so you can kind of like live chill. So you don't have to text, but you can have it on while you're getting ready for a party. You can have it on while you're, you know, uh, wanting to see all your friends from college that have gone away. It's better than texts, and it's pretty cool. So Facebook basically saw this company, House Party, create this up to six people video chatting at once. And you can put on, like, Snapchat self-style selfie masks and things like that and make people laugh. Um, it's cute. It's innovative. But again, it's showing you how powerful Facebook is. Back in the 80s, Microsoft was the operating system of choice. and A lot of companies would come up with cool apps or cool software programs and they would just steal it. Apple would just 
incorporated into their next operating system update. Um, so communications continue to go. Apple, by the way, is in discussion with India, talking about potentially setting up some manufacturing there. But they want some financial incentives to do it with. <clears throat> Making phones locally would allow Apple to open its own stores in India, helping build its brand in a country where it has just a tiny slice, which is less than 5% of the booming smartphone market. Facebook today is being accused by the EU regulators of basically uh, not disclosing information on the $22 billion WhatsApp deal. So it's an antitrust complaint. Social networks accused of misleading regulators during the deal. And it could face up of up to 1% of its annual sales, fines of up to 1%. The issue centers around the link between WhatsApp and Facebook accounts. In 2014, Facebook apparently told European regulators that it could not reliably link the accounts of users on the two services. But in September 2016, just two years later, WhatsApp announced changes to its privacy policy that included the possibility of linking to WhatsApp user phone numbers with Facebook user identities. So... Was Facebook negligible? I'll just say this is something that comes with business, but they should take it seriously, and they don't need me to say that. Their lawyers are clearly saying that. You don't want to mess with the European Union and regulators over the word antitrust. So Uber lost $800 million in the recent quarter. It's a lot of money. <laughs> you think about that? They did $1.7 billion in revenue. Um... They exited China, so you would have thought the loss would have been smaller. The company's revenue has continued to grow. Uh, Uber generated about $3.7 billion in net revenue in the first nine months of 2016. They're in track to exceed $5.5 billion for the year. Closely held company at this point in time. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Don't forget, i got a big webinar coming up tomorrow night with CFP Chad Burton. It's about income in retirement. You can find out more about it at newfocusfinancial.com. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com for a webinar starting at 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. AM 1220, KDOW. Old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Your San Jose Barracuda hockey updates. Talk a little Barracuda Hockey. Joining me now, Nick Nolenberger, the voice of KDOW's San Jose Barracuda Broadcasts. How are you, Nick? Doing great. How you doing, Rob? Doing well. I got you on a midweek appearance, which is kind of nice. Uh, so we can talk about the weekend games. How did everything go? Absolutely. The weekend went, uh, it went great. Uh, unfortunately, only picked up one point on Sunday. It looked like uh, uh, the Barracuda were going to continue to play some really good hockey, try to make it four wins in a row, but... Um, a late goal by Ontario with about three minutes to go in regulation forced overtime and, and an eventual loss. But the team's playing really good right now. It's points in uh, eight of the last nine, points in uh, four straight, which is a uh, season high. So um, overall, I think uh, it's the team's starting to mesh and starting to click at, at, at a good appropriate time and um, playing some of the best hockey they've played all season. So Troy Groschnick is, uh, we talked about him uh, last Friday when we talked, He's having a, a stellar season. He's thrown together uh, three shutouts in a row. Um, tell me a little bit about the, the goaltending for the Barracuda right now. Yeah, absolutely. Troy, this is his fourth year. It's really um, a big year for him. Um, 
He's a guy who uh, had an NHL appearance two years ago and made uh, 45 saves for uh, an NHL shutout against the Carolina Hurricanes. So he's proven it at the highest level. Um, about uh, For Troy, it's just really about being consistent. And this season in his fourth year, he's uh, in 13 starts, he has five shutouts, which leads the league. Um, his goals against is top 10 in the league as well. Um, have that stretch of the three straight shutouts, 248 minutes, eight seconds consecutive without a, allowing a goal. Um, which is was just an unbelievable stretch. Allowed one in the first period on Sunday, which snapped that um, streak. But playing uh, some of the best uh, goalie that we've seen here in, in, in the Sharks uh, organization in quite some time. And uh, for a guy uh, who is about as nice as it gets, it's really good to see him have a, a breakout season like he is. He was just uh, about 63 minutes shy, so just over a full game. Um, from breaking the American Hockey League record. So he had a little bit of ways to go, but to even sniff that record was amazing. Um, it was actually set by Matt Murray two years ago. Matt Murray, of course, uh, a forgettable figure in Sharks uh, fans' the memories. He, he led the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins to the Stanley Cup last year. So um, the, the level that Troy's playing is some of the best hockey we've seen in his career, and it's definitely really exciting within the organization. There's still some home games coming up. Uh, people can come out and see the Sharks, uh, AHL affiliate, Barracuda, uh, including today. Holy mackerel, that's a day game, isn't it? Um, that kind of nice against the Stockton Heat uh, today, um, December 20th, and then the day after Christmas uh, as well. These are great stocking stuffers. In this case, you don't need to do the stocking stuffer because it's a day game today. But um, I'm at the SJ Barracuda website, and people can buy tickets at sjbarracuda.com. That... Jersey sweater, the Christmas jerseys. I can't believe they wore that on the ice. It's, it's that kind of special. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I thought it, I thought it looked great. I know a lot of the teams they go they tend to try to go with uh, ugly sweaters or or just uh, a holiday themed sweater. But I don't think anybody's tried to pull off the this, this Santa Claus look. Um, and I, I thought it looked pretty good. I think people were pretty excited about the way it, way it turned out. But it is kind of funny when you have a team like the Barracuda, who their their primary colors are teal and orange and, and, and white and black, and all of a sudden they come out with bright red uh, Santa Claus jerseys. But it must have been good luck because they won five nothing when they wore them, and it was Grossick's third straight shutout. So um, it was it was pretty fun to see him wear those and. Uh, yeah, again, it's uh, it's always fun to get in the spirit and um, and try to you know win win some hockey games while you wear some sweaters that are helping out a really good cause. It's one of the things I really like about the Barracuda and the AHL in particular. I'm not going to say they don't take themselves seriously because I do think they do, but there's let's have some fun while we're also playing a, a man's game that's a big business. Um, some sports, I'll say like the NFL, tend to. Uh, try to control the image a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's kind of the benefit we have, too, being in the American Hockey League. We are not the NHL. Um, as close as we are to it, as many players as we have who could play in the NHL right this second, we aren't, and that's kind of the benefit we have. We're a little more light, a little more playful than even the Sharks. The Sharks have a great time, too, but that's kind of the message that we um, get from the organization is um, we're different than the Sharks. You know, we're not, we're not trying to be the Sharks. We want to be a more playful family type uh, environment, um, a, a place that you can bring your kids and, and be entertained uh, throughout the game, not just uh, with the product on the ice, but um, the other stuff that goes on. So, yeah, especially jerseys. That's something the NHL can't do. 
Um, they can't wear specialty jerseys. So have specialty jerseys and different theme nights. And um, throughout the concourse, we have different interactive games, different hockey games for kids that they can shoot pucks and and, uh, and get up in, in the goalie gear and, and block shots, that type of stuff you can't necessarily offer at the Sharks game. But, you know, we, we're able to offer at our level, and it, and it really kind of provides a fun uh, uh, kind of playful environment for fans and for families to come out and uh, enjoy themselves. Everything's kind of frozen in the AHL, NHL, as far as player movements go, tied towards the holiday season. Tell me a little bit about why clubs freeze their rosters. Um, you know, it just it kind of for for a lot of these guys, I think it's um, it's about just w- what's going to fit your NHL club. Um, it's it's not necessarily uh, one of those deals where you're not going to call a guy up because you know it, it's uh, it's around the holiday season and you, you expect him to go back home. Um, I think it more has to do with what what is the su- supply and demand. So so right now with the with the San Jose Sharks, we've seen quite a few in- injuries. Tomas Hurdle was uh, banged up and out of lineup for quite a bit now. So you got like Michael Carlson get hurt, but they've already got uh, Timo Meyer just got recalled. So I think it's more it's more of a supply and demand um, type situation. So if you do need players, you're gonna, you're going to make the moves necessary, and that's the best and the greatest asset that. The Barracuda and the Sharks have. You play in the same building, which is a really unique situation. Only one other team in the American Hockey League shares a building with their um, NHL affiliate, and that's in Winnipeg. So to have uh, the team literally in your back door or, or even next door, um, is it's an amazing uh, asset for the uh, San Jose Sharks to be able to bring players up and down. So maybe in a different organization where you've got to move a player six, seven hours to get him to the NHL club, in our situation, they can be uh, recalled and, and reassigned in just a moment's notice. So um, I think it's more of a supply and demand uh, this time of year, and, and it, it just depends on injuries and, and what, uh, what other factors play into it for players moving up and down. So one last question for you. I grew up on the East Coast, and East Coast hockey, uh, it's cold, it's winter, they've got the, the seasonal months. When I moved to the Bay Area 16 years ago, I was like, this hockey, well, I like it here, because I loved it on the East Coast. How have you seen hockey change in, uh, you're a, a Santa Cruz boy, if I remember correctly. Uh, how have you seen hockey change in the last 15, 20 years? Uh, yep, uh, and, and from Santa Cruz, so kind of a unique situation, not necessarily a hockey hotbed. But I remember as a right. kid, I was kind of the, uh, the me and my brothers were a little bit, uh, we were odd, I guess, in, in a sense, because none of my friends over at Santa Cruz played hockey. Um, no one was kind of involved in the game. Um, but, you know, especially the South Bay, it's embraced the sport. Um, it's really been become part of the culture, especially with the Sharks being the only major franchise in San Jose. So for a lot of the, you know, families that, that grew up on the game and originally bought season tickets, um, you know, they got their kids into, into playing the game. And um, the expansion of the, uh, of the sport of hockey on the West and in the Southwest has been immense in the last 20 years. Um, you can look at an example of the first round, uh, first overall draft pick last year um, by the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is from Phoenix, Arizona. Nick. So. Have a good game today. Have fun with the call. Have a good holiday season. Everyone, go get some Barracuda tickets for stocking stuffers for the kids. It's an awesome experience. SJBarracuda.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, as he typically does on Tuesdays at this time, the one, the only, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. I start my morning every day with your column, the page one column. Um, I gotta admit, I turned on CNBC this morning. I'm starting to get excited about Dow 20,000. And I know, Pat, in my heart, that I'm embarrassed that I just said that out loud. <laughs> I, uh, well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, certainly commanding a lot of attention in the popular press. And, uh, and I think that, uh, the market is, uh, just kind of has a little bit of this magnetism to it that probably will get us to that point, you know, sometime before year end, uh, but, uh, you know, could perhaps mark the culmination of a very big post-election move that's uh, due for some, uh, some due for some consolidation, certainly. It's interesting because if you watch any financial media, read any financial media, one of the ones that I really like reading is Barron's, but there's just a wide swath of people saying this rally is not sustainable. It's based on ifs and buts, if taxes get cut, if state taxes get cut, if income taxes get cut, um, then the earnings should move higher if taxes get cut. Um, there's a lot of ifs and buts uh, in this market at this point in time, Pat. Well, there are, Rob, and, and I think that that's going to be the, uh, you know, uh, the hurdle in 2017 is going to be uh, determining whether the reality of all of this anticipation right now is actually met with, with you know, corroborating data on the economic and earnings front. I mean, a lot of the, the expected pickup and growth uh, for both earnings and the economy has been uh, discounted in stock prices already. Uh, you have a market that's trading, uh, you know, roughly a 20% premium to its uh, 10-year historical average on both a forward and trailing 12-month basis. Um, you know, so there's been uh, a lot of uh, good news pulled forward, if you will, uh, into the end of 2016 here as it relates to the outlook for 2017. And so to keep this market propped up, uh, I think you, you need to see you know the reality of the situation match um, you know these these really heightened expectations right now i'm hearing stories like altria is going to get back together with philip morris because now we have a republican regime now there'll be better taxes in the us now it'll help them fight you know uh weaker currencies overseas and again it just feels a little bit speculative it's intelligent but it feels speculative how much speculation are you feeling out there and is it going to be a problem or uh, will we be able to smooth it out just with uh, natural market moves right well you know it's an interesting there has been an interesting uh, potentially important shift in the mindset right it's 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 a market right now that's no longer fearing uh, you know all the bad things that can happen so much as it's embracing all of the potential good things that can happen. And so when you talk about, you know, things like that, you know, Altrian and Philip Morris getting back together because of more uh, of, of a more uh, generous tax policy in this up, that this up incoming administration might implement, 
um, you know, that that's part and parcel of this shift in mindset, you know, where uh, the potential for a repatriation of those foreign earnings uh, at a reduced tax rate, you know, creating more jobs, you know, uh, that's the ideal. Uh, probably what it will do is, is create more share buybacks uh, and potentially increase dividend payments, which is obviously not bad for shareholders, um, but not necessarily, you know, may not necessarily be the... Uh, uh, the tonic for the real economy that the incoming administration would like it to be. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, these are important shifts in mindset that, uh, you know, can kind of become self-fulfilling in a way if you start to get some inkling of good news that matches uh, the expectations you and I have been talking about here uh, in early 2017. So, you know, uh, I can say, you know, from our standpoint of briefing.com, I mean, we're not wildly optimistic about 2017 return prospects based solely on on a fundamental position. You know, we have a market trading at a very stretched valuation. Interest rates are going up. And granted, they have been going up, you know, for the right reasons, but they've been going up pretty quickly. Um, And I think, though, that if you're going to see a really big gain in 2017, it's going to uh, most likely be a byproduct of these, you know, so-called animal spirits kicking in, so where you've got a lot of just uh, speculative uh, trading activity going on on the basis of, of of what might come as opposed to what actually is. Uh, and, you know, and we've been around long enough to know that uh, some of that subjectivity and these animal spirits can really just trample all over fundamental arguments uh, in a hurry, and, and markets can remain overbought a lot longer than you might think, just as they can remain oversold a lot longer than you might think. But when the mindset shifts like it does with such a bullish bias, um, you know, you can get some big returns uh, that just don't, you know, match up with what, uh, you know, fundamental arguments suggest that they, they really should be. So I think that the potential for some speculative action, is it remains real, and, and uh, certainly one of those things can help uh, support this market into 2017. I'm not sure where I was yesterday when I heard about the terror attack in Berlin, but probably the first thing that went through my head was, I wonder how the market's going to react to it. Why aren't we getting a U.S. market reaction to terrorism really at all in the last 52 weeks? And there's been a couple. Um, obviously, in in France, uh, you know, a truck issue. Um, right. And then again, in France, back in last November at a, a concert hall, how come the market's not reacting to this? Well, my sense of things is that, regrettably, uh, these terrorist incidents, um, you know, are more usual than they used to be, um, and there's, and they're kind of like these um, smaller operations, if you will. Certainly not on the grand scale of what we saw with 9/11, and I think that uh, the market has essentially started to orient its 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 belief system into thinking that these things are going to keep happening. You know, it's very unfortunate, it's tragic, uh, but it's the world in which we live. Um, And for there to be a really material reaction in the U.S. stock market, I think it's all going to be proportional to what uh, is believed, what the economic impact of that terrorist incident is believed to be. So, for instance, you know, you look at uh, what happened in Germany last night, just just terrible, obviously, you know, uh, not only just given the time of year, but just any time of year. I mean, it's just tragic. Um, But in the end, you know, it's not going to have a material economic impact, 
and, and I think that's why the market can continues to sort of look past those things. Um, we did see a little bit of profit taking kick in yesterday afternoon when those headlines started to hit, but but at the end of the day, the stock market was still higher in the United States, so there wasn't any real fear about what what was seen there, and that's partly you know can be attributed to really just this whole momentum trade that's kicked in since the election and the seasonality factor that's keeping stock prices propped up. And I would add one more thing, which is just the idea that you know people are reluctant really to sell positions now uh, if they know that they can sell them later in 2017 at, at a reduced tax rate. So you have some, um, I don't know if artificial source of support is, is the right term here, but you have some uh, ostensible factors out there that are kind of helping keep stock prices propped up in the face of some otherwise negative geopolitical news. But but that news notwithstanding, um, there wasn't any real uh, concern about the uh, about there being a material impact to the to the global economy because of it. And so the stock market, I think, you know, held up reasonably well. Anything that you're working on, sir, that you want to bring to our attention this time of year? Um, anything that's flagging your your writing skills <laughs> well you know i'm working on my my christmas shopping that's for one um but then uh, i hear you i uh, you know this time of year is, is always lends itself to the to the yearly recaps um and so i'll be working on that um probably won't be publishing that to the big picture until uh, uh till next week um this week you know we oftentimes just go in to look at one of those popular uh, trading strategies that relates to the dogs of the Dow uh, strategy. Um, so I might be digging in a little bit to that and uh, posting something in the big picture about uh, the dogs of the Dow for 2017. Speaking of the dogs of the Dow, Nike, uh, uncharacteristic year for the king of shoes. Uh, Lululemon, uh, Athletica, Columbia Sportswear, Adidas, Under Armour. Under Armour, not great. But it seems like everyone else is kind of like kicking Nike's hiney. Uh, any thoughts on Nike as a, a dog a dog stock? Well, you know, Nike, you know, I guess what it always has going for is that it still has this enduring, terrific brand power. Um, and, you know, frankly, I like to see companies like that run into some problems every now and then because, you know, they get it worked out, you know. Um, they, yep. they resize, they restructure, and everyone comes back around to the notion that this this company isn't going anywhere, <laughs> and it certainly has a lot of financial capability to reassert itself and uh, and to you know grow earnings in a stronger fashion. And so maybe one of the hangups with Nike, of course, is just international exposure, and is it you know you see the stronger dollar, uh, but that's going to be a factor for all multinational companies. But but by and large, you know you know you should like to see companies such well managed companies like Nike. Um, Run into a few difficulties every now and then that are related more cyclically than, than uh, you know than being a real structural problem for the company. So um, you know, so something to look at when the stock like that pulls back. Thanks very much. Always appreciate it. You can find out more information on the markets, both domestic and international, at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Thanks for being with me. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Your retirement needs a plan, but it can be hard to know how to even begin. By keeping your focus on just a few essential issues, you can increase your chances of enjoying a secure future. Step one, sign up for the free webinar, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income, hosted by New Focus Financial. It's Wednesday, December 21st, starting at 7 p.m. 
And during this hour-long webinar, you'll learn from certified financial planner Chad Burton how you can reduce risk with diversification. He'll give you tax reduction strategies and estate planning tips and let you know which bond alternatives and retirement products make sense in today's low interest rate environment. You'll learn how to rebalance your portfolio in retirement and create a tax-efficient distribution plan. And you'll get tips on portfolio structuring, asset allocation, and more. Again, this is a free webinar, 7 p.m. Wednesday, December 21st, for about an hour. Go to newfocusfinancial.com to register now and take the first step towards a secure future. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. A little brand new sting for you. I know you're saying, was he big 30 years ago? The answer to that would be yes. Still doing it, though. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. You can find Ch- CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. Big webinar coming up tomorrow night tied towards income in retirement. Mr. Burton, one of your 10 pillars of retirement planning is fighting the IRA and 401k tax trap. What's that mean? Yeah, it seems kind of odd, right? Because you're supposed to get a big tax break when you put the money in to a 401k, which you do. I mean, it's, it's great. You put $1 into the 401k, you only miss, you know, typically about 75 cents out of your paycheck, and Uncle Sam's money compounds for you over time. But where we are today in America is, is pretty much the majority of people's retirement savings. They'll say they're home, but it's not. It's in their 401k, and their 401k has yet to be taxed. So more and more people are retiring with so much money in their 401k and recently we're trying to you know talk through a couple that had 95% of their savings for retirement in an IRA that they pulled out of their 401k they were comfortable I mean they had typically um, you know great income between Social Security and their dividends and interest from their accounts and some a little rental property but they needed to do a $150,000 remodel so they would have gone from paying a 15% tax to pulling 150000 out, plus enough to pay the taxes, so well over $220,000. They would have gone up into the 35% federal plus 9.3% state. And so it's a, it's a trap because they needed to pull out just enough to be able to remodel their home, but then they have to pull out more to be able to pay Uncle Sam, and then it blows their tax bracket up. And so in that kind of a scenario, that was a better deal for them to actually do a home equity line of credit and then pay that off over about a six-year period so it wouldn't affect their tax bracket. Um, and then when, you try, when you're in retirement and trying to get a loan on your home, um, it, it becomes a little bit more difficult because you might have a huge IRA or 401k, but if you're not showing the income coming out for at least a couple of months, it, it becomes a little bit of a headache. And so what should have been a simple process of let's design the remodel, let's pull the money out, let's pay for it, became, you know, a little bit more hectic. So the other 
time too, Rob, when people end up seeing this is that if they're lucky enough in life where they have enough income from Social Security, from rental property, dividends, and interest, and then 70 and a half comes along when they have to pull money out for the required minimum distribution each and every year, and they're like, well, I don't really want to sell my investments in my IRA just to pull the money out. You have to. I mean, you've got to um, you know, pull the money out. You can always reinvest it in the same holdings, but you've got to pay the taxes on that. So it's, it's, it's something that's becoming more and more significant to deal with the large taxes and blend those taxes throughout retirement rather than pay the least amount of taxes each and every year. So people could sign up for the free webinar tomorrow night at newfocusfinancial.com. Plus, there's a lot of good downloadables that people can start getting and seeing where they are. I hate when you say the word required minimum distribution because that's the one thing I fear in retirement is that I'm actually going to have to do math. But (laughs) how can I actually – I know, isn't it funny? Like, it's true. And I think that's something a lot of people have problems with as well, but I don't think they say it as honestly as I do. How do you fight the problem, Chad? Of, of taxes and the tax traps? Um, for, so for younger people that are listening, look at right. using a portion of your money into the Roth 401k. So if you're not eligible for a Roth IRA, your company is likely now offering a Roth 401k where you forgo the current tax deduction and you put the money into the Roth 401k side where it grows tax-free forever as long as you take it out over 59 and a half. Um, but before you do that, you need to meet with your CPA and see where you are in the marginal tax brackets because, um, you know, basically between 75000 and 76000 that's when you cross from a 15 to a 25% tax bracket. And then between 152000 and 153000 right around in there is when you cross into the 28% tax bracket. See, it's, it's a marginal tax bracket, and you've got to kind of work with your advisors to find out Okay, maybe you do 80% into the pre-tax and 20% into the Roth 401k. So you blend your retirement contributions so that you can, uh, you know, deal with the tax brackets that are there. And this might change a little bit next year in terms of the brackets, obviously. Um, another big one, though, is, is the, the, the point in time when you can really fight this is from retirement age to age 69. So let's say you retire at age 60 or 62. And every year you're going to have a certain amount of automatic taxable income, but you might have five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars left at that bracket, um, and you might convert a little bit of your IRA to a Roth each year in order to build up a tax-free pool of money. And you you really only have until age 69 to to do this super effectively because then at age 70 and a half that required minimum distribution kicks in and it kind of messes with the strategy a little bit. But it's a good way. I, in either scenario, you're trying to end up with a tax-free pool of money for retirement. So we've got about a minute left, a little bit more than a minute. How does the health savings account play into all of this? A health savings account is great for especially empty nesters that are very healthy and they don't go to the doctor much. You can use uh, look. Hopefully, your employer has a health savings account option where you have a high deductible plan and you put money in pre-tax. But it's like a super Roth IRA for healthcare costs. You put the money in pre-tax, you can take it out tax-free for um, uh, any healthcare costs in retirement. And then also, once you're 59 and a half, if you don't have a lot of extra cash flow in order to fund a health savings account, but you want to use that plan, you can actually withdraw from your IRA, which is a taxable event. 
but then turn around and put that money into a health savings account, which is a tax-deductible event. So there's a way, of course, to talk with your advise, tax advisor first, but if you want to use a health savings account but you don't have a lot of extra cash flow, you can actually kind of roll it out of your IRA and, and fund it that way. It's kind of a cool strategy. Head to newfocusfinancial.com and sign up for the webinar tomorrow night, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, 10 pillars of retirement income at newfocusfinancial.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.